Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 524th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at the Jersey Sporting News website, jerseysportingnews.com. Chat room is open. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. This intro monologue is a topic that has really, really made me very angry, very upset, and very mad. Because what we have heard from within the last couple of days, all the reports coming out during this NWSL season, which is about to, I believe, get ready to go to the playoffs... We have ourselves a crisis in the women's game. This is not a crisis about talent. This is not a crisis about not enough players coming to the league. Not enough players transferring into the league. Not a crisis about financial problems. Not a crisis about how many more uh, women's professional football clubs are coming into the NWSL. No, it's not about that. The crisis is our women players. Are they protected enough from evil people that will go after them abusively, sexually, and bullying. What we have seen these last couple of days has been nothing short of of an embarrassment. A disgusting display of an embarrassment to the game that we all love, no matter if it is by male or female. This game is for everyone. And to find out What's been going on? What has happened under the watch of those clubs in the NWSL that are also half of them owned by MLS clubs that we are finding out what's the situation happening? The ignorance of the warning signs. We don't care. Shut up and play. To see what has happened, to hear the horror stories of what's been going on, the women have been violated by people they trust. Not because these are great coaches, and even if they are great coaches, there is a dark side to them. 
turning a blind eye to what we have witnessed these last couple of days. I have never, ever seen something like this happen when you get to the professional level, whether by male or female. This type of egregious act, disgusting display of how the women have been treated as a professional. I, I don't know what to say anymore. Thank goodness there will be investigations happening, but how is this possible? How is this possible that our women, professional soccer players, are being preyed on like this? And how terrible is it in sports? where great programs are being used to disguise these lewd, disgusting acts to individuals, whether it be on a professional level or a collegiate level. The days of the great Papa Joe at Penn State protecting one of his assistant coaches because he couldn't help himself with the children in the neighborhood the pedophile that he was. And now, we are seeing the NWSL being used as cover for what has been going on. And we cannot forget what happened with the U.S. gymnastic program with that disgusting doctor violating the female gymnasts, he swore to make sure that their health would be at tip-top shape. I, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm flabbergasted. I, I'm telling you, I don't know how I can say words now about this situation. I can't believe what we are seeing. I cannot believe what we are witnessing. I cannot believe what we are reading and listening about within the clubs of the NWSL, in the locker rooms, coaches' offices, trainer rooms, at the training facilities. It makes you question, what the hell is going on here? What the hell is happening? And now, now we're going to have to find out if this has been going on as well to the boys in the academies of all our MLS clubs, which I hope it's not going to happen. But this is an absolutely disgusting display of ignorance from what we have seen so far with our 
NWSL professional women's soccer clubs. I am saddened. I am disappointed. I am frustrated. And I am angry that the top league in the women's game in our country has been violated. And the NWSL commissioner, Lisa Bard, has gone under her watch. This happened. A woman under her watch running this professional women's league has allowed it to happen. It saddens me that this situation has come to fruition. It saddens me that we have to be careful now of who is coming into the locker rooms, the training facilities, the stadiums of a person that has these tendencies to violate and infiltrate a professional woman as a soccer player. I've, I'm upset. I'm angry. And everyone knows me. You've heard my voice when I am completely and utterly angry and disappointed in what has happened here. So what is going on? Yes, there is an investigation that's going to be conducted. Yes, there will be investigation to find out how long this has been going on. It is a shame and it is disgusting from where I am sitting right now in my studio, in my home studio, that how could this happen in the NWSL? This didn't happen when it was the Women's USA League. Even though it didn't last that long, we've never heard anything happen then. Then again, we don't know if anything happened back then as, as well. Maybe it was hidden, well hidden too. We don't know. The Women's League in the USL, I've never heard anything like this before. To all the women who have been affected by this, to all the women who had to suffer through this, I am so sorry you had to go through this pain. I am so sorry that the league that you wanted to be a part of, the league you wanted to make your name in, the league to help you, give you an opportunity to go to Europe and join other leagues around the world, in Mexico, in England, everywhere and anywhere around the world that, that has a women's league outside of the NWSL. I am sorry. I feel horrible for you. I am angry for you. I am disgusted for you that you were violated. There are sick people in the world. 
But you would like to think that a professional league like the NWSL would protect their players with these situations that's going around in our, not just in our country, but around the world. This is not just a problem in the United States. It's a problem around the world. There are people who do these things. doesn't matter where they come from. But it's amazing that this was actually happening within the league. It's sad. It's very sad that our women cannot be protected on a club level. And now they're going to have to do a lot of scrutinizing when you're hiring a brand new head coach or a brand new member of the front office or a brand new member of the coaching staff. It is very, very disturbing and very, very sad that our women have to be treated like this. This is not fair. This is not right. And all I hope is that we have learned a gigantic lesson here. No one should be hired. And if they have to do tons of digging to look up these types of situations, never ever bring them in ever again. We cannot allow this to happen ever again. It is sad and terrible that our female players have to basically watch their own backs. That they have to watch their own backs now because they don't know if their club that they play for is going to be there for him, be there for them. Does the uh, NWSL have to uh, shut itself down now because of this horrible thing? I do not know. I am not a, uh, a legal mind in all this. But I will say this. It better be fixed and it better be fixed quickly. And I really do hope everything will be happy and positive when you get back to what it should be. Talking about the women's game in a positive manner. Not what we have seen at all. I am upset and disgusted. I am terribly upset and disgusted that this happened. Let's get it going, folks. Let's get this thing ready to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in this show we're going to preview the up-and-coming World Cup qualifiers for the United States and, of course, the roster. 
And then um, we're going to also talk about another coach biting the dust over at FC Cincinnati and waiting for that man to join me is uh, the one and only from uh, Cincinnati Soccer Talk, Boston Brazel. Waiting for him to just go ahead and pick up the phone as we go ahead and discuss the uh, another coach bites the dust. Go ahead and let's get it on and let's see what's going to happen here. So here we go again. Here we go again. Just another another head coach saying goodbye. Sacked, finito, finished. Sayonara sucker. Just amazing to see what is going on over at Cincinnati. I just... I understand it was not a good year this year. There's still plenty of games left, but they're not going to go anywhere, Cincinnati. I just don't understand how is it possible that this club, whether through USL or MLS, they just cannot keep a head coach for more than a year or two. And joining me right now from Cincinnati Soccer Talk, it is Boston Brazel. Boston, another coach bites the dust. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Tom, who saw it coming? Uh, another you. coach down. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, FC Cincinnati continues to struggle, and uh, with that uh, is the annual tradition of letting a head coach go. Um, You've come to expect it, and know it, but uh, unfortunately, they still have just not found that plan to be successful in Major League Soccer. Now, let me just ask you this question, and, and I want to be fair here. I mean, look, you had – and this goes back to the days when you got started in the USL. You had John Harkes, and then he was gone. And then you had um, – um, I forgot his name, but he was your head coach in the Open Cup run you had back in 2018. And then when you came into MLS the next year, he was gone. And then you brought in a Dutch manager. He was gone before he even got started because of whatever it was that the song he was listening to. He was trying to, you know, uh, be a part of the club, the, the, the players who were singing that song. He sang that song yeah, too. And I believe the you technical know, term is he did a he did a racism. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can say it. That's fine. He did a he said he did somewhat of a racist thing, even though. The players who knew that song sung it as well. So, hey, what are you going to do? Um, and then here comes Jop Stomp. Comes in right away and, uh, you know, had a very good COVID season back in 2020. Let's be honest. He did a decent job, uh, you know, in 2020. Got some solid wins. And then all of a sudden you open up TQL Stadium this year. And then everything is falling apart right in front of your eyes. Question is this, and I know the sporting director's gone too. Is it coaching, or is it a style these players cannot adapt to, or is it the players themselves? 
Oh, I think ultimately we've had we've implemented different systems in Cincinnati, um, and that we've got ourselves into some cap trouble that we've continued to try to. But um, sadly, FC Cincinnati has just made a couple bad decisions every year, and 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 when you're already in a hole, it just is not you're not going to be able to dig yourself out if you're continuing to also dig the hole deeper. So what FC Cincinnati needs is true leadership, um, someone who knows what to do. And, I mean, the fans are still relatively new to the league. Um, The media in Cincinnati is still relatively new to the league. In fact, uh, I've talked to many members of the media that just have no idea how FC Cincinnati digs their way out either. And then, so that's kind of what the the fandom here in Cincinnati has turned to, is we no longer trust the front office the way we did because they got us into Major League Soccer, so there was a lot of goodwill that had been built in. All of that is gone. The fans want somebody who will – who understands Major League Soccer and who will bring them out of this. And – we did this USL kind of era where we brought in USL staff and players. That obviously wasn't good enough. Writing was already on the wall there with Minnesota and Orlando and other teams that had tried it. So we should have seen that coming. Did not. Then Winter National got a Dutch general manager, got a Dutch coach. Thought we could play the world game. I mean, it's, it's just soccer, right? You know, what? What what could go wrong? So supposed to be again. <laughs> no, no major league soccer experience whatsoever in the front office, and that's just proved problematic. Our league is is just a different kind of league, in that the roster mechanics, the play style, it all is all a little bit different. And you, and you see international players come here and struggle for a year or two as they learn to adapt. I think you've now seen staff members come here and struggle to figure it out um, and adapt. And FC Cincinnati has just thrown in the towel on that experiment, and they are going full on prior Major League Soccer experience. And I think that's that'll be the theme of the 2022 season. We'll get to that in a minute, but I have to ask you, how many towels does uh, Jeff Bearding have in his uh, desk as president of the club, to continue to throw down and say, that's it, I give up, that's it, I give up. You know, I mean, come on now. It's what, once every two years now? I mean, does he have to throw the towel once every two years? Well, yeah, at this point, he's probably counting his lives. Um, He is a very minority owner. He is the one that brought soccer to Cincinnati and found the ownership to make it all happen. Um, So he has a lot of lives um, as a president. However, he is involved. Um, Some people would say too much in the operations side. He has distanced himself slowly as he's learned that he's maybe not the most qualified person for it. However, he did make the, at the end of the day, he's the president of soccer operations. He decided to hire a Dutch general manager, a Dutch coach, and go that route. So I would say, you know, at the end of the day, the blame will fall on his feet, 
the third wooden spoon will fall at his feet, and the fans there is a there is a movement, a very small still but growing movement that questions whether he's the right person to lead us in Major League Soccer, despite him being the one that got us to Major League Soccer. So, yeah. if he fails again, I just don't see him there anymore. So, we're, so what you're saying is the pitchforks and the uh, burning torches will be marching towards TQL as fast as possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think any other owners that are dropping, uh, what did we spend this year? Over $30 million in players, signings, and transfer fees. So if you're the guy writing the checks and the minority owners not doing you know not spending your money wisely, how long are you going to put up with it? Yeah. That is very very true and I agree with you there. I think uh Mr. Bearding needs to remove himself as president of the club or at least any form of player signings, management signings, coaching signings of any kind and should just basically sit in the back corner and let somebody else with experience do that. Now, apparently there are now uh, reports that Chris Albright, who was at the Philadelphia Union, probably still will be there till the end of the season, uh, will take over FC Cincinnati as sporting director of the club. And uh, from his, I would say, track record currently at the Philadelphia Union with the players that he has brought over and, of course, the coaching staff, that he has, of course, allowed to coach, as in Jim Curtin, he's going to take over as sporting director of FC Cincinnati. And uh, let's be honest, he's going to need more than two seasons to do something quick or to do something right, because I think the one thing that Bearding has not done is shown the patience, whether it be at the USL level or MLS level, to have someone basically steer the ship and allow them to have their tactics or at least have their beliefs move forward to allow FC Cincinnati to grow. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, Patience has, we've definitely not let it play out. Um, However, on the flip side, the, there's just been nothing to really give the GMs or coaches time with. So, like, for example, the Opstam and Gerard Nijkamp, um, there just came a point where you just felt like another year wouldn't help. Um, and I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, why both of those are are gone. And I'm with you. We need to give a general manager two years, and I believe um, that is the plan now, is to kind of build our way out. In Major League Soccer, you have these contracts. You have DP, TAM, all these mechanics, and it's not easy to shed it all um, in a year. And FC Cincinnati is going to go into next season with a good chunk of players, especially international players and international roster spots taken up that they brought into this season because they let Gerard sign multi-year contracts. So they're... They're not getting out of the hole. You're you're 100% correct. Next year will be tough. And um, our new GM, it is official. It's He's in Cincinnati on the 6th, so it'll be formally announced. Um, it was partially announced by the club on Twitter today. 
but um, he'll be in town to talk with the media here, so we'll get a little bit of his thoughts and what he's thinking. But at the end of the day, I think Cincinnati fans and other fans that are just sick of watching SC Cincinnati fail every year should be encouraged that this is kind of his M.O. is taking players in Philadelphia, especially unknown American players, which is FCC's biggest weakness, and and finding a platform in, in Major League Soccer. Now, I want to get to Tyrone Marshall for a minute. Of course, Tyrone Marshall, Jamaican international, uh, former Jamaican international, was a very good player in MLS during his days on the back line. I know it's only been two matches. Have you liked what you've seen from him so far, or do you feel you want someone with better quality managing top-flight soccer than just being an under-19 academy coach? Uh, I think he's got a lot of fire. I like that about him. I think he's a little inexperienced in the coaching cycle, and the club knows that. He's he's he, he's gunning for the job. Um, I think he wants a shot at it, and he'll get a shot at it because he's the interim, and if he starts winning a bunch of games, then um, he'll get his interview. But end of the day, I don't believe he's going to be the next head coach of SC Cincinnati. What I could see him – doing is earning a spot um, on FCC2, which is rumored to be coming with a new MLS program with two teams. So that is what I see um, him earning if he, uh, if he able, if he's able to get the most out of these guys. That's true. That's true. I mean, why not give him an opportunity there and then we'll see what happens. But um, I will say this. You got a good guy there in Tyrone Marshall, very fiery player back in the day uh, with the LA Galaxy, a couple other teams, of course, and playing internationally for Jamaica. So, you know, he's going to be very strong candidate uh, if he does do well with the remaining matches that Cincinnati does have. Now, apparently <clears throat> on Twitter, the Weigels have uh, – basically told me that you have to leave my show as soon as possible because, as I understand it, you are now officially the host for tonight on Simply Soccer <laughs> Talk. I don't know how that happened. I no, told true. him that Nick, you're going to... Uh-huh. Nick Suberling is retired from uh, what? podcast hosting. That's correct. I object! <laughs> I object! After, after a decade of hosting football and soccer podcasts, I think he's thrown in the towel probably for the time being because you know as a as a podcast radio man it's hard to stay away he's already come back as a guest host not as a host but a guest on the show so i don't think he can fully stay away like he says he can but uh i think he just needs a break and uh, we'll see what happens no no he just wants to be the quiet man in the studio that's what he's really trying to be isn't he (laughs) until then i'm uh sitting in the host chair though that's true So what you're saying is that your rear end is uh, red hot and you just don't know how to get off of it. It's not a good. It's not a good uh, person to follow. You want to follow somebody <laughs> like uh, Yap Stam that's left a lot of terrible weight behind him. Unfortunately, Subs did too good of a job. So. Well, I told the Weigel boys that you're mine till nine. So no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to take you. <laughs> You, I, you know I've been good to you. I've been good to you and the, and the boys. And I just want to say to everybody, you know, if, you want, if you're interested in Cincinnati soccer discussions, obviously Cincinnati Soccer Talk is the place to be. 
These guys are fantastic. Love being on their show whenever they invite me, which has been never this year. I don't know what I did, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um, other than that, uh, Boston, you know, look, congratulations on taking over. And uh, I don't believe a word that Nick's retired. I think maybe he's taking a long two week break. It's the international uh, calendar week right now, so that's probably the real reason why. But other than yeah, that, yeah, we'll, uh, see. Boss, yeah, we'll <laughs> see. He's coming back. I think I, I think he's coming back. But anyway, um, thank you very much again for always coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with Chris Albright as your new sporting director, and uh, let's see who he'll select as the brand new head coach of your club because look, this. let me just put it to you this way. When MLS got started back in 1996, before the, before the name changed to the New York Red Bulls, the Metro Stars hired and fired manager after manager after manager after manager. We've had maybe four to five, six different managers in the first four to five years before uh, everything got settled with, you know, you'd finally get a manager for like three or four years, you know what I mean? So, yeah. hey, listen, you're going to go through this. Uh, Bearding is going to have to probably step back as much as possible, probably forever, which you hope so. But um, you just have to go through the, unfortunately, the ways and the means of someone who thinks he knows what he's doing when he really doesn't. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Rebuild number three, four. I'm losing track, but uh, I know if I you're did. interested in watching. Uh, the next version of FC Cincinnati, then next year will be a good one. This year it's pretty much Absolutely. over. But uh... I think it died before it got started. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to uh, some Red Bull fans before we played you last week, and uh, you guys yep. seemed pretty down about your season as well. I told them, I said, wait till wait till after the FC Cincinnati game. You might you might have some renewed hope. We'll see. Well, it's, well, it's a five-match unbeaten streak, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens there. But, Boston, have a good night. Thank you again. Get to your show, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. See you later. Boston Brazel, the host of Cincinnati Soccer Talk podcast. It should be a lot of fun. and cannot wait to see about what's going to happen there. And their show starts at 9 o'clock tonight, CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com, or Cincy Soccer Talk on their Twitter account. It should be a lot of fun. Now, as we all know, starting this coming Thursday night on ESPN2 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Central, the United States opens up their second international window of, of World Cup qualifying. The first of three matches, of course, will be against Jamaica. And then the, this coming Sunday, they'll be on the road at Panama at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, and that will be seen on Paramount Plus app, as well on Spanish-language Telemundo. And then on next Wednesday, they'll come back to the States, head to Ohio, to Lower.com Field in downtown Columbus, as the United States will host Costa Rica at the brand-new home of the Columbus Crew. And that will also be on ESPN2 as well. And that match starts at 7 o'clock. All games will be on, as I've said already, ESPN2, Paramount Plus, as well as uh, Telemundo. And you can listen to the post-match show here 
on the Four Years Teens Fire American Soccer Show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Four Years Teens Fire. I'll have Carter Krishnayer on Sunday night and Wednesday night for post-match. Thursday might be uh, trying to get a guest for that one to join me on that, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, Here is the roster for and for the U.S. men's national team from Greg Berhalter. Your three goalkeepers, Zach Steffen, Sean Johnson, Matt Turner. On defense, you have George Bellow, originally John Brooks, but he is now off of it due to injury. So Walker Zimmerman of Nashville SC will be joining this roster as a replacement. Serginio Dest, Mark McKenzie, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin. The midfielders are Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Gianluca Busio, Luca De La Torre, which I'm assuming it's Conrad De La Torre. So we'll see what happens there. Sebastian Leggett, Weston McKenney is back on the roster. We'll get to him in a minute. Yunus Musa and Christian Roldan. Forwards are Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Matthew Hoppe, Ricardo Pepe, Tim Weah, and Giassi Zardes. Now, Weston McKenney back on the national team. And honestly, I'm happy he is back. He has suffered enough. I was happy he got suspended by Greg Berhalter in the Canada qualifier, and then he was sent home not to play in Honduras. To me, that was the right thing to do by Greg Berhalter. Bringing him back on this national team was the right thing to do by Greg Berhalter. We need Weston McKenney. But here's the thing, and I want everyone to understand this and understand this perfectly. I'm not against Weston McKenney. I'm not hating on him. I don't want him to be left out of this roster. I don't. Weston McKenney is a weapon that the U.S. men's national team needs to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. He is important for the set of skills that he has in midfield to defend and to attack and to score. He is important on set pieces. Weston McKenney in qualifying to move forward and to show why he is important to the national team. I want Weston McKenney to be on this national team, and I want him to go out and play the way he has played, especially in the Nations Cup semifinal and the final how he scored that equalizer to make it 2-2 against Mexico in the Nations League final in regulation. We need him to be ready to go, ready to play, ready to do some damage like we all know he can do. I am happy that Weston McKenney is back on the rosters. I'm glad he'll be performing depending on which match he'll play in, either as a starter or as a bench player. We will have to wait and see. But right now, for Weston McKenney, I'm happy he's back. But I have to say it crystal... I want to be crystal clear here when I say this. He needs to understand right here and right now. I don't care how young he is. I don't care how old he is. And I don't care how middle of the road and age-wise he is. 
Greg Berhalter has to defend him, and I understand that. And I understand that Greg Berhalter has to make sure, has to make sure, goes out and does his job, and he's going to have to glue him to his hotel room, double lock the door, have someone in the hotel room stay with him so that he does not pull this stuff again. Because Weston McKenney has to understand. He has to understand this. This is not a Gold Cup match. This is not a Nations League match. This is not a Serie A match or a Coppa Italia match or a Italian League's Cup match or a UEFA Champions League match. This is a World Cup qualifier. You do not mess around if it is a World Cup qualifier. He needs to prove uh, himself that he cannot go off the rails again. Because if he does this one more time, in my view, he should never be called back in again. Period. This is why there are rules. This is why even though rules have been relaxed or rules are about to get ratcheted up again by our government, by Dr. Fauci, which I'm not going to bring into my, my political opinion about him, but this is more important right now. If Weston McKenney does this again, then he does not deserve to be on the U.S. men's national team, period. He has to understand These are the games that define your career. These are the games that define the type of player you are. These are crunch times right here and right now. He has to understand we did not go to the World Cup in Russia because of the silly stupidity and the arrogance of Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley, and a couple of other players who assumed it was a cakewalk. And when they found out that they lost to Trinidad-Tobago down in the Caribbean, and the other games, the results went against them. We did not make the World Cup before 1990. This is where redemption started. Back in September. Redemption for our program. Redemption for some of the players that were on that game or on that, in that men's national team who lost and got eliminated from the World Cup. The redemption of U.S. soccer right here, right now. Right here and right now was on last month. And Weston McKenney royally screwed up. We cannot have him do this again. Period. He has to understand this. Because if he didn't learn in Turin at Juventus, and if he didn't learn what happened in Nashville... He's never going to learn at all. 
And he needs to understand this, and I hope he understood it. We cannot have him go off the rails again. We cannot allow this to happen. So for Weston McKenney, it's vital. It's important. These are the games. Prepare yourself for. For the journey you put yourself into to get to the holy grail of all football tournaments where the world is watching the FIFA World Cup. And we cannot allow this to ever, ever happen again. We are, cannot allow this to ever, ever happen again. Period. And now to Greg Berhalter. I don't have a problem with this roster. Giovanni Reina is still hurt. Uh, Christian Pulisic is still hurt. They're not on the roster. Pulisic probably wouldn't be able to play down in Panama because of him playing for England once again. The, uh, the so-called do not enter our country if you come from this country on our COVID list. Been red flagged. You saw what happened between Brazil and Argentina. <coughs> Excuse me. And now it would be smart of Greg Berhalter to not bring any player down to Panama if they ply their trade in England. And Zach Steffen will be that sacrificial lamb as he plays for Manchester City. But in reality, he does not play for Manchester City because he's not starting for them. Sean Johnson, Matt Turner. Two of the three keepers on this World Cup qualifying roster are getting minutes regularly. And it's not Zach Steffen. No matter how badly Greg Berhalter wants to put in Zach Steffen, he should not play any of these World Cup qualifying games. Zach Steffen is not in goal. It showed in the Nations League final where he got hurt. In the final. Tied at one. Zach Steffen has to understand you need minutes. And maybe... Maybe you should ask for a loan deal somewhere inside English football or a club outside of England that will give you the minutes that needs a starting goalkeeper, that needs a young goalkeeper to play. And if you can get that loan deal, play for said club, then I believe he should be the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. Why do I keep saying this? It's not that I don't trust Zach Steffen. I just believe that if you're not getting minutes at your club, why are you on the national team? If you're coming to play for the national team, then you should be on the bench. You should not be in the starting 11. You get a couple minutes here, you get a couple minutes there, that's fine. But you should not be in the starting 11, 
period. And that's what happened to Josie Altidore when Bob Bradley was the head coach of the men's national team. He kept playing Josie, even though Josie barely got minutes at Villarreal in La Liga. Villarreal said, when Josie comes here, we're going to loan him out to a different Spanish club in the lower levels, and then we'll play him when he is acclimated himself with our club or with how to play in Spain. They didn't do that. He came off the bench once. He scored a goal or two. Came off the bench maybe a couple of times. Basically did not play. DNP, scratched. And then all of a sudden, okay, Villarreal, then you know, we'll, we'll do this for out the door. Now we're going to send you down to this club, which they did. A club in Liga B in Spain who basically won promotion to La Liga and then Villarreal had to yank him off that roster and terminate the loan deal because they didn't want Josie to play against them. I've said this many, many times. It's Villarreal who screwed Josie Altidore over. Because they didn't know what to do with him because he's an American. That's why he didn't do well in Spain. And that is why he didn't do well in Europe. It's not just the stints he had in England. He was successful in, in uh, the Dutch League. Won a Dutch Cup with that club, AZ Alkmaar. This is why I keep saying we have to be respected in Europe, which we are now. But back then, players like him... And Clem Mathis, they didn't get a fair shot. But now our players are getting the fair shots. Now our, our coaches are getting fair shots. That's what I love to see. That's what I like to see now, because our American players are improving and doing much, much better in the European game. And what we do not need from Greg Berhalter now, excuse me, what we do not need from Greg Berhalter, we don't need him to give 45 minutes of crap football where he has tinkered the formations and the tactics and nothing is going well and then you get scored on and then you have forced to make Halftime substitutions to get back to where everyone is more comfortable in. And they scored four unanswered goals against Honduras to save that September window by getting the three points down in Honduras. What Greg Berhalter should not do is wait 40 minutes of of match time after making an injury substitution put in fresh players in the 83rd minute and then lose two points against Canada. This is why you don't assume World Cup qualifying is easy as pie in this confederation. Fine. El Salvador, 
not a strong team, but they're scrappy, and they found a way to not only get a point, but the U.S. did not play their best, and they got a point out of it. You've got to win your matches at home. After going ahead, Berhalter assumed, I'm going to win this game. I'm not, I don't have to make any substitutes until I have to get back you know, deep into the second half, and then I'll put on defensive subs. No. No. John Herdman made subs before and after that goal was scored. Do not get outcoached by your opponent, Greg Berhalter. That includes Hugo Perez. You can say whatever you want. How happy you're how happy you were to see him, an American national team player, getting a job as the national team head coach of El Salvador, even though he's normally El Salvadorian. You don't lose to a team like that. You don't drop points on a team like that. Because Hugo Perez and John Herdman outcoached you. He out, excuse me, they outcoached you. You understand? You were outcoached, Greg Berhalter, from El Salvador and from Canada. And Canada is improving themselves. Canada has improved tremendously. We're not the only ones that have Americans or CONCACAF players playing in Europe or for European clubs. Canada now has a stronger presence in Europe. Canada now has the Canadian Premier League. It's not just Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal, ladies and gentlemen. The Canadian Premier League has also helped with the national team program. We cannot allow, period, cannot allow these teams to sneak up on us, bite us in the ass, and take away points from us. Three games, two are at home. The minimum is six points. I want all nine, or at least seven. But the minimum is six points. If we do not get six points, at least six points in the two home games that we'll be hosting in both Austin, Texas and in Columbus, Ohio, then it's really, really simple. Greg Berhalter should lose his job. Because he nearly lost his job if they would have lost that match to Honduras. Some will say that wasn't going to happen. Maybe not. Because we don't know what the Board of U.S. Soccer is going to do. Cindy Parlo-Cone, we don't know if she has firing powers to send away Greg Berhalter. But I will say this. He cannot draw, nor can he lose at home to a, club, to a national team like Jamaica, 
nor a national team like Costa Rica, who is now on the downturn. As of right now, right now, here are the octagonal standings in the final round of CONCACAF FIFA World Cup qualifying. Mexico in first place so far, undefeated, two wins and a draw for seven points. Canada officially in second place with a win and two draws, five points. United States, we have the same record, the same amount of points, the same amount of goals scored and goals allowed, five points, scoring five, allowing only two. The goal differential is at a plus three. Panama, in three games, a win and two draws. They are in the playoff positioning in the fourth position because tied on points, but they have scored one goal less. That is why they are in fourth place. Costa Rica. Two draws and a loss. Two points. Minus one on the differential. Honduras and El Salvador in sixth and seventh respectively. Two points as well. El Salvador, Honduras though, excuse me. Have scored two goals and allowed uh, allowed five. It's a minus three. El Salvador has not scored a goal yet, but have allowed three. And in last place, Jamaica, with a draw and two losses for one single point. They have scored twice and have allowed six. These are the games... For the United States right now, before we get to November the 12th on a Friday night, down, or shall I say up, in Cincinnati, Ohio at TQL Stadium on the west side. These are the games that our national team must play before we worry about Classico in Cincinnati, Ohio. These are the most important games right now for the U.S. men's national team. The must is six. You hope for seven. You're begging for nine. Depending on what happens, down in Panama on Sunday early evening at 6 o'clock, dinner time at the football ground. This is huge. This is big. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we need for this national team to go out and do the damage we know they can do. And I am here to tell the board of trustees at U.S. Soccer, I'm here to tell you this right now. If Greg Berhalter cannot get a win at home, Columbus, he should be fired. He should be relieved of his duties, and you've got to bring in somebody else to give them that opportunity 
for those November games before we get to the new year. This is why everyone... This is why everyone has to understand can not cannot find a way to get period these wins for the national team and once again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Feuersteins Fire. As we get ready, we get ready for these three huge World Cup qualifiers that will be played once again in Austin, Texas, Panama City, Panama, and Columbus, Ohio. So let me give you the the broadcast time and dates for these matches. Here's the upcoming schedule now for the U.S. men's national team in CONCACAF FIFA World Cup qualifying. On Thursday night, October 7th, at the Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas, the U.S. men's national team will be hosting Jamaica that match at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, Univision, and TUDN Univision Deportes. On Sunday early evening, October the 10th at 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, at the Estadio Romel Fernandez in Panama City, Panama, the United States are on the road. That will be seen on Paramount Plus, NBC Universal, as well as Telemundo. And on Wednesday, October the 13th, the United States will be hosting Costa Rica over at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. That match will be on ESPN2, Unimas, and TUDN. And just to let everyone know, Friday, November the 12th, TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. The time of the match will be at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific from CONCACAF for the official start times. USA, Mexico, Clasico, and that will be seen on ESPN, Univision, and TUDN. And then on Tuesday, November the 16th, Jamaica will host the USA at the office at Kingston, actually wait, Independence Park in Kingston, Jamaica. We do not have a uh, broadcaster for that one just yet, but obviously this should be on Paramount Plus app or CBS Sports Network. 
CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports Period, has done an amazing job covering soccer, covering the national team for the USA, (coughs) doing an excellent job on the coverage of CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers on both Paramount Plus, CBS Sports Network, and online at CBS Sports HQ. Just excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Gotta love it. CBS Sports has done an amazing job. There's nothing bad I can say about that. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we go to the Red Bull segment. Once again, a draw against the Philadelphia Union, which was 1-1. Union score first. Omir Fernandez, what can you say about Omir that hasn't been said already? He has improved his play. He has improved his game. Big turnaround shot that converted the equalizer after a looping ball from midfield. He has scored three goals in four games at Inter-Miami, at NYCFC, and at home against the Union. The Bronx, New York native, has done an amazing job. He has improved his play, tactical awareness. He has done a great job. I would say a bit of a poor opening half for the Red Bulls against the Union. They tried to get that second goal, could not in the second half. Gerhard Stuber was not happy about it. But on Saturday night, the birthday boy, Andrew Gutman, scored the only goal of the match in the 73rd minute. 1-0 victory for the Red Bulls. They were the aggressors. They were the ones that showed their stuff. They were on the gas all night long. It was unbelievable. It was sensational. I was thrilled to see that happen. And all I can say is this, is that seeing this Red Bull team playing a perfect 90 minutes, and even though Cincinnati had some of their chances in the second half, this match was all Red Bulls. What a pass from Christian Casares Jr. Saw the open space, led Andrew Gutman to the ball in that open space, cuts in, tucks it inside the far post, 1-0 Red Bulls, final whistle blew, 90 minutes of perfection, and the Red Bulls in three wins and two draws, five matches unbeaten, climbing the Eastern Conference in ninth place right now, behind Atlanta United, NYCFC, Philadelphia Union, Montreal, Could the New York Red Bulls absolutely and actually climb out of a playoff spot? Excuse me, climb out of the dungeon and get into a playoff spot. It's a possibility that it could happen. There's still plenty of games to go. This coming Saturday night, they made the rescheduled match against Inter Miami. Will be seen on MSG Network or one of their networks. Six o'clock Eastern time. It should be fun. It should be exciting. Gerhard Struber finally getting his tactics and formations down to a science. The players are understanding. The communication is now there. They're attacking. They're doing well. 
And I also have to admit, Carlos Coronel has improved his goalkeeping play. Carlos Coronel has done an amazing job of making the saves when he has to. The shot stopper he's become. Positioning has been so much better. Carlos Coronel doing a job. And even though I'm not happy that Ryan Mera is the backup again, this is what it has to be, unfortunately. Ryan Mera, I thought he deserved his chance uh, to be the starting goalkeeper. He should never have lost it. New manager, Struber felt he needed a different goalkeeper. He got him. I thought it was wrong of him to do so, but, you know, look, let's be honest. Struger has done a good job so far. Five match unbeaten. Rough summer. The fall is here. Let's see what happens moving forward, and we shall see what this Red Bulls team can do when they're going to take on Inter-Miami this coming Saturday night on the NSG Networks. Check your local listings for the, uh, the channel number whether it be through cable, satellite, or the MSG Go app. Other than that, it's World Cup qualifying time, ladies and gentlemen. World Cup qualifying time. This is going to be fantastic. I am excited. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see this happen. It's going to be fantastic. Fantastic, and I love it. Three matches, three World Cup qualification games, two on ESPN2, one on Paramount+. Plus. Let's go for it. Let's see it happen. Let's get it on. I want to thank my guest tonight, Boston Brazel of Cincinnati Soccer Talk, for joining me tonight. This Thursday night at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, the USA-Jamaica World Cup qualifying post-match show right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Feuerstein's Fire. Thank you. This is Daniel Feuerstein here. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good day. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.